old building entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Shrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I am one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and with me today is Rob. <laughs> oh, I, I was expecting a build-up, and I didn't get any. Okay, top of the morning to you, Shag. <laughs> hey, how's it going? There was a build-up. There was just no delivery. So, folks, it is another one of our exciting, exciting uh, fourth-week episodes, as I am, have started to call them. Fourth week of the month, which means it's time for new issues of Aquaman and Firestorm. And, uh, you know, we're not even going to have any preamble here, folks. We're just going to jump right into the chocolatey goodness that is the New 52. So we are going to start off with Aquaman. Rob? Yes, we are. Uh, Aquaman number seven uh, came out on uh, March 28th. It is by, you know, I'm not even going to get into who does it because uh, every week, every month, uh, Shag spends 20 minutes giving us the extended credits of these books. I don't need to do that here. Um, I, will, I will continue to. Yeah, I know. We get into the guys who delivered them, the guys that delivered the ink, the, the you know, Joe the shipper guy, Joe, you know. Hey, you know, if you, it's okay. If you feel that the people who work hard to produce <laughs> these books with their blood, sweat, and tears – if it's not important to you, that's okay. You it's know? not that it's not important. It's just I don't have an ego to think that they listen to the show. <laughs> I don't think well, they know, care. By, by now, you could have read all the way to the guy who delivers them. Well, that's a good point. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is issue number seven by Jeff Johns, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Rod Reese, Nick J. Napolitano, <laughs> Sean Makowitz, and Pat McCallum. Aquaman created by Paul Norris. Thank you. For, and uh, Mort Weinzinger, who's not credited. Um, oh. Anyway... That's like a whole legal thing. Anyway, uh, issue number seven is the first chapter of a new arc known as The Others. And that's how this issue opens up is with one of The Others. Now, of course, at this point, we know who these characters are because they've they've been releasing you know, images and the names. But as the book opens, like we don't know who this is. So it's a woman running through the jungle, being chased by some guy, a, uh, somebody who, uh, who's via his, uh, the appearance of his arms and his legs and his word balloons. Uh, we have a guess at who it is. Um, 
And it is an Aquaman comic, so it's just yeah, a matter of time. Exactly. There's only two villains. So uh, basically, he got a 50-50 shot of it being uh, Black Mana. So anyway, uh, this guy fires some sort of like harpoon out of his arm, and then we see this woman having a vision, which is, I guess, of the future, which is her being stabbed with this, this, this little harpoon darty thing. But anyway, the harpoon shoots fire, hits a tree, it explodes, stops her uh, in her tracks, and we, the guy, her pursuer, catches up to her, and of course, yes, it is Black Mana, uh, as revealed in a very nice uh, full-page shot, um, I guess that's technically the splash page, even though it's on page four, of uh, Black Mana over, uh, standing over this woman. And uh, she and Black Mana get into a fight. Uh, Black Mana pretty much wipes the floor with her. He rips off her uh, the, the, the covering she has on her face and reveals her to be a woman named Kahina the Seer. Um, Black Mana then takes off his helmet, and we see that his face is horribly scarred. He's got all these claw marks across his face, so that's kind of a new thing. And he basically talks smack to Kahina and says that after he kills her, he's going to kill her family and her children. Yikes. Um, and then uh, he basically stabs her to death. Pretty gruesome stuff. And she uh, begs for her life and calls out to Arthur. And Black Black Mana says, Arthur cannot help you now. A uh, little detail I noticed that uh, Black Mana's word balloons are in reverse type. They are black balloons with white lettering. And I I always assumed they did that to... to kind of underscore the sound of his helmet, what his, what his voice sounds like in the helmet, but he still talks like that even without the helmet. So that, <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> that's how evil Black Mana is. He talks that's in right. reverse word balloons <laughs> even when he doesn't have his helmet on. So anyway, he... So, so i got to ask, do you hear the Super Friends Black oh, Mana voice when you read it? Oh, yeah. I can't. I can't <laughs> hear, that, hear that voice. Um, in fact, whenever they do the Aquaman movie, and I know they will, they should just dub over the sound and just make it sound like that guy. They should just get that guy, whoever yeah. did the Black Mana voice. So anyway, Black Mana kills Kahina the seer. He steals this sort of uh, some sort of totem uh, the center that she's carrying in a box. And in Kahina's death throes, uh, we see she has another vision of Black Mana stabbing Aquaman with his with his own trident. Now, we don't necessarily know this is her, her having a vision of the future. It could be she's recalling something in the past, but I guess they're purposely leaving that open. Um, this new uniform. Well, that's true. That's true. It's, I guess it probably is a, a vision of the future. I mean, I guess that that's you know like foreshadowing. So then, anyway, that, I keep interrupting. I'm sorry, but that golden thing is called a golden seal. Oh, okay. Um, so we then we cut to Aquaman um, saving a a, a storm tossed ship in the Atlantic. I will get back to this page in a moment. Um, both Aquaman and Mira rescue this fishing boat, which is about to be top side, capsized by this wave. Mira forces the wave to go in the other direction, which I thought was great. I mean, they are really ramping up her powers. After after they rescue the ship, they go visit Dr. Stephen Shin, which is the character from the previous couple of issues, who is this Atlantis expert and was a uh, family friend of the Currys and betrayed Aquaman. So Aquaman uh, storms in, Aquaman and Mira storm in. They show Dr. Shin this glyph that Aquaman found in issue five. And uh, Shin, of course, wants to know, you know, where did you get this from? And Aquaman says, well, it's from the trench. And he wants to know where are these creatures. And Aquaman clearly doesn't want to discuss this until he finally has to sort of force it out. of It's forced out of him where he says I eat, that he killed them all. Um, he doesn't say that with uh, any pride. Shin activates the glyph and it 
triggers that little Princess Leia hologram thing, <laughs> and um, the guy starts talking again. And in the middle of the message, uh, some sort of burst of energy pops up, and another member of the others comes jumping out. And uh, this woman looks like kind of like a uh, female Tarzan type thing with uh, a, I guess it's a panther or a cougar in tow. Um, she attacks Dr. Shin before she can get to him. Mira jumps in, which is great. I love that Mira just takes <laughs> takes the initiative. And um, the battle spills outside Dr. Shin's house. Um, Mira forms a hard water panther to fight the real-life panther, which is, again, I think that's a new thing, that she was able to do that, like to actually create sort of water-based life forms. But that was really cool. And um, just as this woman and Mira are about to fight, Aquaman puts a stop to it. <laughs> Aquaman, never break up a girl fight. Never. Um, he tells them both to calm down, and this woman basically has no time. Because that's what you should always tell two ladies who are fighting. Yes, calm, stop being so emotional. Uh, is it your lady times? Um, so Whoa! <laughs> this is Aquaman just being offensive. So anyway, um, this woman basically doesn't even... Uh, there's a great moment where Mira says, who are you? And this woman doesn't even acknowledge Mira and just talks to Aquaman, which I thought was great. <laughs> and she is there to tell him that Kahina is dead and that it's Black Manta. And he says that he left her butchered, butchered body in my jungle and took the golden seal from her. And uh, Dr. Shin overhears this. Black Man has one of the relics of Atlantis. And they're like, you know, so him and Aquaman get in this conversation about the relics of Atlantis. And Amira gets sort of pissed off and says, what the hell is going on? And it ends with a page from a book uh, that we saw in Shin's office. And it, we see uh, – it ends with, with Mira saying, who the hell is she? And we see it's uh, – there is a bare-chested, younger-looking Aquaman with all of his bling from Justice League. <laughs> standing around with the other members of the others who have all been uh, uh, sort of um, anatized here by Shin. So we see that the woman with the panther is uh, Yawara, and then we see this POW guy, a guy named The Operative. I mean, that's, that's the POW, Vostok X, and Kahina the Seer. And it's, that's next, who are the others? And that is to be continued. I, of all the – I mean, I've loved every one of these issues, but uh, of all the seven, this one was my favorite. I felt like – there was more story. I mean, that was my only complaint about this book to this point was that the story reads so fast that waiting in between a, a month to get the issues, like, you know, you read the whole thing in like three minutes. Um, but this felt like there was more sort of story. I mean, you've got the mana sequence, then you've got the whole Aquaman and Stephen Shin sequence, you've got the Aquaman and Mira rescuing the ship, and then you've got the battle with Yawar at the end. So it felt like there was more. It felt like it was like sort of a bigger meal um, this time around, which I enjoyed. And in terms of the art, you know, I'm, I'm running out of superlatives for these guys. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, they are just constantly the, – the team of Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and Rod Reese are just, just delivering the goods every single month. And the page that I mentioned earlier, page 11, I believe it is, which is the first shot of Aquaman rescuing the, um, the ship, I almost gasped when I saw it. And I don't gasp much anymore. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a bitter, withered husk of a man, so I don't get excited much anymore about this stuff. But I thought that page was one of the single finest illustrations of Aquaman ever, period. I, I'm really glad you're saying this because actually I wrote down some notes. Uh, I came prepared this time. Yay. And uh, I have a note here that says that Aquaman pulling the ship is my single favorite panel of this entire 
seven issue series so far. Yeah, I mean, I when I turned the page, I was just like, <gasps> you know, like I did that. I just was yeah. so, and I, 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 um, I, uh, I, I broke down my normal sort of journalistic reserve, such as it is, and I wrote the guys. I wrote the three mm. of them, and I just waxed their car for a couple <laughs> of minutes. And just, and just said, this is one of the greatest images I've ever seen of this character. Um, I mean, to me, it ranks up there with the greatest Aquaman art by Apero and Freyden and Cardi. I mean, to me, like, I, you know, I've been saying that these guys are well on their way to becoming, like, you know, the, you know, like the part of the pantheon of, yeah. of artists of this character. And But I've been reluctant to, to go all the way because it was still so new. But these guys have completely established their bona fides at this point. I mean, this I, I look at this page. I, and I, I wrote this on the Shrine today, and I wrote it um, to them. I said, if I was DC, I would buy this page from Joe and Ivan, and I would frame it and put it in the lobby of the offices. Mm. I would just say, this is one of the iconic shots of our characters, period, end of statement. Let's just put it in the office. So when people get off the elevator... They see, you know, and they walk down the hall, they see this shot because this is, to me, this is like everything about this character all in one, all in one page. I just, I, I mean, I don't want to go on and on and on about it, but I just thought this is, like, this is beyond what any decent art you could expect from any decent art team. These guys are just killing it on the art of this book. Well, it's also the message in the image. What got yeah. me is, I actually called it a quiet moment, um, even though it's not quiet by any means, but it's quiet in that he's not saving the world. He's not fighting a supervillain. He is saving this one ship out in the middle of the water that are out there by themselves, and he is the only thing keeping them alive. Yeah, and so it's, it's specific sort of, to him. It's, yeah. you know, yeah, he's not, I mean, yeah. No, one, no one else could could do exactly what he's doing. I mean, they could fly or put a green bubble around it, but that's different. He is, by sheer force of will, dragging it and swimming them to safety. It's like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the other shots where, you know, he's punching Black Man, you're like, well, okay, that's his villain. But, I mean, he's not necessarily doing anything specifically Aquaman-ish. But this thing is, to me, this tells you what the character is yeah. in this shot. And it also, it's just rendered within an inch of its life. I mean, just, and it's colored with it. It's gorgeous. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. It's just an absolutely... Beautiful page, and it to me, it's my, one of the greatest single Aquaman images I've seen in a quarter century, and it puts these guys to me on the level of with these other guys. And I don't say that lightly; I really don't. Right. Um, but if I was a kid, if like if I was a teen, and we know there's lots of new Aquaman readers because of with the sales of this book, um, uh, there's got to be lots of new Aquaman readers. And if I was a new Aquaman reader, it's pages like this that would cement this character for me. If I. I DC should release a poster of it. That's what they yeah, should. Yeah. Oh, they they should. I, I I didn't say this in the email to the guys, uh, but they should. DC should merchandise this image. This should be on when uh, like they do calendars, you know, every year, or they hmm. do you know all their stuff. This should be the image they use because to me it's like that's this is it. I mean, I know you want to get Mira in there, but other than that, like this image is just absolutely gangbusters. And you know, so the, it it just like in the sum total, this became my favorite issue. Of the oh, of, of okay. the series, I just think, um, and you know, these every single issue, these guys are just knocking it out of the park, and like to me, they just knocked it a little further. You know, this one like literally left the park. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it landed out in the parking lot somewhere. So uh, I, I was absolutely thrilled with it, and it's like I couldn't be. I, I mean, it's it's like the violence is a little off putting to me, still. Uh, but I just have to kind of roll with that and accept it that that's who they're writing Black Mana as is just completely ruthless. 
But, you know, okay, that's who he is. I'm, I'm going to share a slightly differing view. I mean, I enjoyed the issue very much. It was a very good comic. Um, my only concern is I'm afraid we might be moving back towards, like, remember how we felt like the Trench story? Not necessarily the last issue of the Trench story, but overall just it just kept going slow. Mm-hmm. Well, this issue was very enjoyable. It was it was literally two, maybe three scenes mm-hmm. in the whole yeah, story. Yeah, three scenes. Yeah, it's basically yeah. three scenes. And um, I looked in previews, uh, which is Diamond Comics Distributors catalog, and issue number ten, which is three issues away from here. This story is still not over, and so uh, like I guess it goes to it. It's in at least a five issue arc, or maybe six issue arc. And I'm like, oh, if this issue feels like this one didn't move as quick as it could have. You know, what's it going to feel like by the end of the storyline? That's my only concern. Yeah, I understand that. So. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. I'm just sort of like, well, I, I just felt like it took me just frankly a little longer to read than the other ones. And so I enjoyed that. And it said... I, I did finish in four minutes rather than three minutes. Yeah, That's exactly. True. Oh, how many times have you said that? Um, uh, oh! <laughs> so, um, it... I mean, it may have, there may be the illusion that there was more into it because, like, you know, that Black Mana fight scene goes on for, like, nine pages, and it's just basically just a fight scene. Um, yeah. So it may be the illusion that more happened, just, but, it, but it worked. If, if it was an illusion, it worked on me. Yeah. So, um, Every page is gorgeous. Yeah. And it, it tells a nice story. I just think they could have fit more in here. But, um, you know, there's, there's some of this that not, – not that I wanted to sacrifice the art, but I, I, I imagine Jeff Johns could have written more scenes. And we'll get to some of that when we get to Firestorm. But um, – God, some of this stuff is unbelievable. Like where uh, where Black Mana just opens up with his eye beams on Kahina. Yeah. And oh my God, just it's like that's what I want Cyclops to always look like you know, from the X Men. It's <laughs> yeah. just like oh God, that's amazing. Such a gorgeous panel. Um, so I got a question about Black Mana's scar. And, and, I'm sorry, if I, am I interrupting your no, flow? No, no, okay. No. Black Mana scars. Mm-hmm. Did so we didn't see those in Brightest Day. I couldn't remember. No, he doesn't have those in. in- I don't remember him having those in Brightest Day. Okay. And um, so, speculation. Uh, you think it's the Trident, since it's, it's three? something, yeah. I mean, clearly he got those from a previous fight with... Uh, and he mentioned something about um, Arthur will lose everything he cares about just as I have. So okay. I'm going to imagine that uh, there's something, you know, Mana lost something maybe involving the others, and that's why he's so on this quest for vengeance kind of thing. Um, I was just wondering, like, trying to figure out what it could have been, and I trying to tie it back to Aquaman, and there's a shot where he's got his head turned, mm-hmm. and, like, it shows the three scratches, and the middle scratch is longer than the other two, and it just kind of looks like a trident. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's uh, Aquaman doing that. Okay. That could be. Shin also has some scarring. I don't know if you noticed that on his neck. Yes. Yeah, they show that on uh, which one of the pages, but there's a close-up of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, it's going to lead us somewhere. So Shin seems to know what's going on here, and he knows about the relics. And, it, and if you study the comic closely in the cover, you can see each person's relic. Yep. Um, you know, each one's got a, a different golden relic. Um, Aquaman's obviously is his trident, and all the other characters have theirs. Uh, it, I, I'm wondering if, if Shin seems to know them so well, and she knows them, and we're, we're left wondering about Shin. Like maybe they uh, Aquaman used to have a good relationship with him. Do you think Shin might have been like a I don't know, like a Professor X for the others? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's possible. I mean, he's clearly been doing a lot of re- – we do, he's been doing a lot of research since then because we see there's a page where he's got all these clippings and everything else. And they even tie in this Dr. – this Dave Graves character from Justice League 
Um, he wrote a book on Atlantis, which you see here in, in one of the panels. So, yeah, I mean, he's clearly got some sort of greater connection because he seems to know all about it. I mean, the minute he hears about it, and it's Mira is the one in the dark. And, you right. know, can, can I say I appreciate the fact that, that, you know, like in so many kind of bad movies or bad sitcoms when characters don't understand what's going on, they don't say that. That way mm. the story's prolonged. I sort of like that Mira cuts through all that. And she goes, wait, everybody stop talking. What's going on? <laughs> I, sort of, I sort of like that, you know. It's like no nonsense. Well, there's also this beautifully scantily clad woman, you know, talking to your husband and yeah. ignoring you. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna piss you off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more question here. Um, the well, first of all, the, the cat lady. What's what's her name? Uh, uh, Yawara. Yawara. I uh, when I first saw her, I was like, because I have not been following the the preamble and the and all the early stuff. So I've seen it on your site, but I just haven't really. I've tried to avoid it. Me too. Actually, I've been kind of letting Joe post all that stuff because I okay. really don't want to know too much about it. First thought was, is that the chick? For, I was thinking, is that the cat lady from Warlord? You know, is what I thought at first. A lot of people the, thought that when they first saw it. Yeah. Okay. So obviously it's not. No. But um, it looks like she has telepathy, like Aquaman does. There's a when when Mara creates the water panther. There's a shot of her. Yeah, doing the vidi 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 Yep. And you see the circles, and she's communicating with. It looks like her panther. So I'm wondering if. You know, maybe that's a trait of all the others. Maybe they all have some sort of telepathy or I don't know, whatever. But she does appear to have the same sort of telepathy he has with sea creatures, with jungle creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. It would be it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll find out. I, we asked in the interview we ran with the guys, with Ivan and Joe the other day on Wednesday. We asked them, you know, we're like, would there is there any sort of hope that these characters would go on past outside of Aquaman? And they were kind of like... Shh! Don't say that anything. You know, <laughs> they were like, "Well, okay, yeah." So I, you know, definitely thinking they're they're trying to make these characters sort of as uh, powerful in their own right to maybe you know make them into ongoing characters, not just necessarily you know supporting characters in the Aquaman book. Cool. Um, I mean, but, heck, you know, I mean, maybe a DC Direct will do a line of Aquaman-based toys. I'd be excited about that. It'd be the first thing. You know, I'd love to see him be the anchor of a line of toys as opposed to just being part of another line of toys. You keep hoping for that. I'd be, you know, I don't think it's unrealistic at all. Um, one one last thing I wanted to mention about the art, just because I wanted to mention this this panel specifically. Uh, I think it's page uh, what's it, ten, eleven, like thirteen, and it's the page where um, Aquaman bursts into Shin's house. Yeah, and it looks genuinely scary when Aquaman bursts through the door because it's done in shadow. Yeah, and they kind of make it look like he has a claw almost because it's just and. It's like that's a great little dramatic beat to make him look scary. Like, like generally, that Aquaman as a character does not get to do scary. Bright orange. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, like Batman gets to do that all the time. But, but that's a great little shot of him coming in. That would be scary if somebody burst down your door in the middle of a giant storm, and you couldn't see who they were with just a silhouette. I thought that was just a, just a great little shot of him looking very intimidating, all in silhouette. Well, I have a question. Uh, in that same scene, I meant to ask this earlier. He couldn't just knock. He doesn't do that. He it, does. He totally knocks. Nah. Well, not. He's in a hurry this time. Because <laughs> it's raining. Because he doesn't want to get wet. What? Why is he in a hurry? You will not question the King of the Seven Seas. Yes, sir. <laughs> so anyway, I, I unless unless you had something else, I just thought it was just again my favorite thing, and I thought it was gangbusters. And these guys are just, you know, they're just on a complete roll. Okay, I did have one more question. Sorry, because I just didn't. There's a piece of art I didn't understand. Okay, uh, and I agree. It, it's so many gorgeous panels on this thing. Um, 
you know, I don't have page numbers. I guess you're looking at digitally or you know how to count, one or the other. But it's it's towards oh. the end. Um, Yawira? Yawira? Yes. Yawara? Yawara. After she appears in the kitchen, mm-hmm. there's the big energy burst. She, like, teleports in or something. Yeah. The next panel, it's a four-panel page. He's, she's yelling, murderer! She's trying to get to Shin in his kitchen, which mm-hmm. I find pretty humorous, by the way. But uh, I love that they're having a, a, you know, a superhero battle in a tiny kitchen. Yeah. But she's leaping in the air, and Aquaman's trying to block the panther. But there's some what looks like you know, water splashing everywhere. Maybe it was just a residual of the energy. I don't know, but I'm like, what is that? Oh, you know what it is? It's the hologram guy disappearing. Uh, because if you look on the full page just yep, before yep. you see him off in the corner so that's the that's the hologram dissipating okay. that's okay. what it is so that makes sense thank there you, you. I, needed, I needed that okay hope you'll be one Kenobi you're my only hope exactly um, so, so yeah so that's that's it that is Aquaman number seven uh, I every month I am like so excited to see like that the sales for the book are I'm sorry to bring this up but the sales for the book are, are climbing uh, I mean, like, I think four months ago it was at 18, and then it was at, like, 15, and then 14, and then last month, the last issue, it was it cracked the top 10. It was, like, a number nine, and I just think this one, I think this is, like, their strongest issue yet. So, I like, every month I'm, like, getting more and more excited to see where it lands, because I just think it's building up. Um, it, it's building, it started off, it hit the ground running, and it's just getting better and better and faster and faster as it goes along. What are the total numbers doing? See, from a... From a sales perspective, because I've, I've, my background's in marketing and sales, uh, my, my interest is not necessarily where it landed in the top ranking. I mean, I think it's great that it's in the top ten. That's phenomenal. But how are the sales numbers going? Because if you break the top ten, it might just mean everyone else sold crappy that month. You know? Um, Jeez, Shay. Well, no. I mean, that's you, this, is, this is how you got to look at sales, man. Sorry. Live in the real world. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so is, is Aquaman's sales numbers actually going up? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, that I don't know, because I get these from previews, and I don't think previews mentions specifically. Oh, I see. Okay. There's a great site called Comic Chronicles. Okay. I don't know if you ever checked it out. No, I have they, not. That's where News Arama and them get all their numbers from, okay. usually. Um, at least as far as I know. They, they seem to be the ones that quote. They list everything, and after, a couple of weeks after the month, they'll list the actual sales numbers. Oh, okay. Okay. And, um, it's really a fascinating, again, just because I'm a nerdy salesy marketing guy i just i'm fascinated by the numbers and sales and all this and also i was listening to word balloon and they have a couple of vps on there from dc every month mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the things they said too is like yeah we're really excited that all our books are in the top 10 they said but one of the things we have to take consideration is exactly that is like what if everyone else just had a bad month right so they they look at the numbers too and i just i'd be interested to see aquaman's sales tracking obviously number one was where it would probably peaked i mean i doubt it's Selling more than number ones did because everybody sold a ton of number ones. Right. Um, but I'd be interested to see if since, like, say, issue three or four, if it's leveled or if it's still growing. So, right. anyway. Right. I'll look into it. Thank you. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to hurt your feelings yeah, there. Jeez. I, wasn't, oh, I wasn't, no, I, I wasn't being mean. Well, okay, I was about the real Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but it's just, I mean, that's the way you got to analyze sales. Way man. to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Jeez. No, it's, oh, man. <laughs> Speak, All right. Speaking of defeat, let's move on to Firestorm. Wow. <laughs> anything but a defeat. This is a victory, my friend. This is a huge victory. We are talking about the fury of Firestorm, the nuclear men, uh, number seven. 
and this is the very first issue in their new direction. It is uh, you, you've got a new art team on this particular issue, at least for two issues, and you've got a new co-plotter and writer on the book. So, plot by Ethan Van Skyver and Mr. Joe Harris, written by Joe Harris, art by Ethan Van Skyver, colors by Hi-Fi. This is a beautiful book, folks. Um, so just looking straight at the cover, it's an Ethan Van Skyver cover. It's definitely, uh, in my opinion, one of his better ones. Ronnie's upside down. His powers have been deactivated, but he's still in the Firestorm suit. And he's being held hostage by all these three guys. Uh, we saw them in previous issues. I don't know that we have an official term for them yet, but they're basically, they're quacky, ter- quacky, queracky. <laughs> quacky. 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 They're quacky. <laughs> There, it's, it's supposed to. It's their fictitious Middle Eastern country where all the terrorists live. Anyway, uh, it's these Quirac terrorists who have taken on Firestorm Protocol powers, but they're flawed Firestorm Protocols, and they all have the same look and appearance. Which I, just, I love the look of these guys with the 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 huge billowy collars and and Hi-Fi has done amazing things with these green flames. Um, the, the, it's just it's absolutely. Absolutely striking. Every time I see the green flames coming off these guys, I just pause and stare at it and just like, wow, that is gorgeous. So cool, cool cover. Ronnie's being tortured uh, and kidnapped, so that's always a good thing. So, all right. Uh, the issue opens up, leaving off where we were last time. Uh, in issue number five, we saw a stadium, a rock concert explode um, thanks to some of these queer rack uh, terrorist guys, and Ronnie and Jason were left to pick up the pieces. So we start off in that same ground zero area jason is there and a news camera uh group gets him some footage of him then we cut to Zithertech, which is the company that jason's sort of working with and for right now and jason has it out with zither the, the head lady at the, that organization who looks very different this time around with the new art but uh still looks fine uh, i like how they actually they're they're trying to play up the sex appeal and her uh, strength and disfigurement all at the same time. So yeah, she's kind of, rocking the belly shirt there. She is, which in a corporate setting, which kind of like surprised me. So, but Jason uh, goes toe to toe with her, and they're basically arguing about the danger of the Firestorm protocols, about people being aware of them, and about people associating the Firestorm protocols with this horrible disaster. And Jason's basically—I mean, I like there's a line. Jason says. Um, you know, I'm trying to do anything but be associated with your company's activities. So it's me. Jason's really – he's sort of had enough of them, but he's still having to work with them. So I like how you know here he is this teenager, and yet he's still able to stand toe-to-toe with her. It shows his sort of strength of character, which is cool. Then we see uh, cuts to Ronnie, who is over flying over – what, again, I assume is Quarak. They didn't come out and say it, but he's clearly over some Middle Eastern country or third world country. And uh, he's flying over there, and he is looking for the Quarak terrorist that blew up the stadium, and he's looking for this Russian firestorm named Pozar that he encountered last issue. He is attacked. They shoot a number of missiles at him, which turn out to be these tiny little um, capsules that open. And it creates a virtual netting, and it uh, basically it shuts down its powers. Last issue we saw, I think you described it best, that uh, Posar had what you called the Firestorm Universal Remote. <laughs> and uh, these things apparently have that same ability. So they shut down Ronnie's powers while he's flying through the air, and he goes hurtling down and crashes. Uh, and you know, one of the things I, I like in this panel, by the way, is his com- all these panels is his commentary – He's talking about uh, everything's in football analogies, which I thought's done really well because you know, that's what Ronnie's background is. He's, he's a quarterback. So everything here is, is in football analogies, and that's how he's thinking about the game, you know, quote-unquote, and I, I just dug that. So anyways, he's pa- pa- depowered, crashes to the ground, gets picked up by some terrorists, and they take off, and we see 
um, Pozar is there in disguise watching them, and he sort of fades away into the into the crowd, disappears. Click back to Nevada at Zithertown, or uh, as you described it as the G.I. Joe, was it Springfield? Is that what it is? Or Well, from the the Simpsons. The Spring, uh, yeah, the... Um no, it wasn't Cobra. It was Scorpio. It was the, the, oh, the, okay. the it was that uh, Scorpio built for everybody to come and live at when uh, for his uh, for his uh, nuclear plant. Oh, see, I totally misunderstood your reference. I thought. Oh t- no, because there was there was this GI Joe story where a long time ago where Cobra had like this little tiny idyllic town. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. That's from The Simpsons where oh, okay. um, Hank Scorpio, voiced by the uh, genius Albert Brooks. Um, hires Homer away from Springfield to run his uh, nuclear plant, and you find out that the whole thing is just a front for Hank Scorpio's world domination plans because he's like a James Bond villain. Okay. Well, I, I want to say that's the same plot as an old G.I. Joe story. I could be wrong, but that's my memory was that, yeah, Cobra Commander had this idyllic little town where all his employees worked and lived, but you know when they went to work, they were Cobra agents. They right. were doing terrible, terrible things. Um, so that's kind of it's, – it's Zither Town, same idea. So we cut to there to Ronnie and his dad, Alvin. Ronnie sh- – I'm not sorry, I'm Ronnie. I'm sorry, Jason. Jason, his dad, Alvin. Uh, Jason shows up. His dad hasn't seen him since before issue five, so he's very excited. He's like, oh, thank gosh you're okay. And Ronnie's mom, who apparently lives across the street, I guess, comes running over there looking for Ronnie. A couple of things about this scene. One is um, Ronnie's mom is hot. Um, okay, so, I'm down. I'm, yeah, I knew you would be. She's got red hair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Now I should, I should mention, just as an offhand, just being excited – uh, you know that Western character, Cinnamon? She, she she's, appeared? She's in All-Star Western this month. I'm going to have to pick it up, I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she runs over there, and she's like, oh, thank gosh, you're okay, Jason. Where's Ronnie? And then, you know, Jason starts to sort of explain the dilemma they're in. And she gets upset, and Alvin comforts her, saying, hey, it's going to be okay. Which makes me wonder. Now, the scene's not about this. But it makes me wonder if maybe, you know, we might see some sparks fly between Ron's mom and Alvin. You know, that'd be interesting. Especially with Ronnie and Jason never getting along. Uh, but the only weird thing about the scene is that Jason never openly comes out and says, yes, Ronnie went off to go chase down some terrorists. He's okay. The last time I saw him. He never comes out and says that. So, I feel kind of bad. It's like, dude, that's his, that's his mom. Tell him he's okay. <laughs> See, now, if Mira was here, she would have said it. Well, she would have been yelling because they wouldn't be paying attention to her. <laughs> what What the hell is going on? Anyway, um, so we cut back to Quirac where Ronnie is being tortured and uh, some amazing panels here. Uh, he is hung upside down. Nice, up. co- nice coloring. I know. Everything's in this green light, which is, you know, really cool setting, but it also is sort of echoes that whole Quiracky Firestorm Protocol hair burning color. You know, it's, everything's kind of green with the bad guys. Also, here's a little, a little tidbit as you're flipping through these pages, I noticed. Uh, do you remember the old Batman um, live-action TV series? Oh, of course. Okay. Every time, I don't know if you ever noticed this as a kid, but every time they cut to a scene in a villain's lair, the camera was at an angle. Yes, because oh, okay. they're crooked. They're, right, exactly. Every single panel in the Quiracki terrorist uh, hideout is at an angle. So I, I, I didn't catch that the first time around. I caught it the second time around. I'm like, I kind of dig that. That's kind of cool. So what you're saying is we can look to King Tut and Egghead appearing in Fury of Firestorm eventually? It's in the next previews. Hush. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, I just think it's, it, it, it is off-putting, and it's, it, it's an effective storytelling technique that works. You know, because I didn't even notice the first time. And it sounds like you didn't notice at all until I pointed it out. So, no, um, like that. so Ronnie's hooked up to these machines being tortured. And I, one of the things I like, too, is all the tubes that are connected up to him. 
there's three to, uh, four tubes connected to him, and they're actually in the exact spots where the circles are when he's in his Firestorm costume. Like he's got a giant tube where the sun would be and three little tubes where the oh, electrons that's, are. That's a good detail. Yeah. I that. It's really nice. I mean, there's a – Ethan Van Skyver is the master of details, extreme details. I mean, I'm looking over here. In the corner, there's like a machine. You can see every knob and every dial. I mean, it's amazing the level of detail he goes to. So he, Ronnie's being tortured by this really sadistic scientist. And uh, I, I don't believe they gave him a name, so we're just going to call him Sadistic Scientist Number One. So Sadistic Scientist Number One, SS One, he um, he's torturing Ronnie, and he even he does some interesting things with uh, not interesting, I should say, terrible things with these <laughs> clamps and injections. And I mean, he like, oh, it's horrible. You know, he heats up these clamps, and, and it's got a needle in it, and he's. We don't see it actually go into Ronnie, but it's just horrible. Uh, scene clicks back to Nevada at Zithertex, um uh, hospital. Jason's sort of love interest is there. She is still recovering from being shot a few issues ago. She's still unconscious. Um, her name is Tanya. And Zither's assistant comes in and basically just says, hey, uh, you probably need to get on Zither's good side. It's kind of basically what she's saying to bottom line it. And she gives him a file, something maybe you should look into. And it is a shot of two characters we'll see next issue. Uh, two more fire. What? It looks Jason's looking at uh, who's who pages. It, it does sort of look like that. They look like sketches. Absolutely. Uh, they are two more Firestorm characters. One is uh, the British Firestorm. Who we, it doesn't say it here, but we just happen to know from solicits. British Firestorm named Hurricane and the French Firestorm named Firehawk. So we will learn more about them next issue. And Firehawk is a cutie, let me say, folks. So, <laughs> cuts back to Jason. I just cuts back to Ronnie being tortured. One of the things they're doing is they are pumping all this power into him, but they've done something to suppress his power so he can't release it. So they're pumping him full of this nuclear nu- nuclear plasm, and they're pumping him full of it, and he can't release it. So it's just agony, absolute agony. But to Ronnie's credit, he doesn't like scream or anything like that, which is cool. And then. The building just, gets, I'm sorry. Can I just yeah, say on this page, yeah. one thing I enjoyed was the bot, the bottom panel of the hand, just yep. done in the reverse silhouette. I, I, yep. I think it's. I mean, you were correct in about that. Van Skyver is all about detail. I mean, to me, it's almost like something a little too much. And I like the fact that occasionally, you know, he knows to or he knows realize you can just do it simple. Yeah. You know, like you don't need, you know, like that 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 hand works perfectly fine the way it is with the reverse silhouette and no detail. You don't need every panel needs to be drawn within an inch of its life. So I sort of enjoyed that change up, just even if it was just for that one panel. No, I totally agree. I mean, and, I, and it didn't jump off of me as much until you said it. Now it's like, wow, yeah, that is incredibly effective because you know he's reaching for the button kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it it's tells, a scary it, moment. It tells you what you need to know, and you don't need to see all the folds and details of his hand and stuff. So. Yep. So the the secret Quirac base is attacked. Uh, and then you see a couple of the thugs start to transform into those Quirac uh, failed Firestorm protocol guys. And they get totally trashed by Pozar, who's our current sort of hero that we don't quite trust yet. Um, and I don't know if ultimately we will or not. But he shows up. He totally disintegrates uh, statistic scientists. Yeah, number one. that is nasty. I mean, just, it's nasty. I mean, you, <laughs> his top half is uh, – he looks horrified, like, ah! But his bottom half is literally disintegrating. All you can see are is like his rib cage and his spine that and a is, bone and a femur. It's like, oh my god, that is bad. Where's the comics code authority when you need it? Hey, you know what? He deserved it. That guy was horrible. So Posar comes in. There's some amazing, some amazing, striking panels of Posar coming in, um, just trashing the place. And he rescues Ronnie. He releases Ronnie from his captivity, 
Ronnie drops down and he stand, he kind of sits up and he goes, I didn't want you to let me go. And you see Ronnie's left arm is entirely gone. Ugh. It's cut off at the stump right below the elbow. It's really graphic. It's nasty. And uh, I, actually, in addition to that, Ronnie's face has some, some – I don't know if it's going to be scarring or not. It might just be scratches or, you know, like ma- nastiness. But he's got some nastiness on his face, and his right arm is crackling like green energy. It looks like it's splitting the skin open. And energy is pouring out of his arm. Because remember when I mentioned they were pumping him full of this uh, nuclear plasm, and he had no way to release it. So he's brimming with energy, and, and his arm missing. I don't know if that's uh, because – you know, he got released and the arm just blasted off or if it was cut off previously. But either way, look, I'm, I'm guessing with the situation, besides being so horrible for Ronnie, he's probably about to go critical, you know, because he's full of energy. So, and that is the end of the issue called Heat Seeker. And rather than getting a kick to the gonads in the beginning of an issue, as we have been traditionally with Firestorm, we got it at the end this time, which is perfectly fine and just honestly where cliffhangers belong. But we so, do guarantee one gonads in every issue. Well, we do. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we're all about. So, um, wow, what a great issue. I mean, this is really, it kicks off the new direction for Firestorm with the new writing team. And, and Ethan Van Skyver is doing it for two issues. Then Yildar Asenar will be back. And, and, and I, I was going to say, I want to make sure we're not sending a, a bad message here while I'm wowing about the Ethan, Ethan Van Skyver art. Yildar Asenar is, to me, he's still the artist on this book. This is Yildar Ray's book. Ethan is the writer and a plotter, and he is giving us some amazing villain issues. But to me, this is still Yildar Ray's book, and I can't wait for you to see more Yildar Ray art as well. So, um, great issue. I think this was a great kickoff for Joe. Now, it's for someone who doesn't realize the, the writer's changed, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic. I don't th- think they're going to be like, this is completely different. But the subtleties are there. The dialogue is so much better. The the, the caption, like thought boxes, are so much better. The, it reads more... Straightforward, it flows better. The characters are more understandable, more light. I don't know if I can say likable because nobody in this book is necessarily likable. Um, but it's they are. You can relate to it better. It just in in the plotting, I thought was really strong, and uh, I I felt like Ronnie having all the football imagery. You know, it fits his character. I I don't know. Could, could you as as an outsider, could you sense a difference in the writing tone with this? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, you know, I can't say like I sat and like analyzed it. I did feel like there was maybe, hmm, I'm not even sure how to put this. I guess I feel, I, I feel like in previous issues, um, some of the dialogue was like getting in its own way, kind mm-hmm. of. Like it was the plot was being halted for sort of, not necessarily long speeches, but there, there was something halting. I, I, let me just say this again from an outsider's perspective. I don't get the sense that um, Gail Simone and Ethan Van Skyver meshed terribly well as writers. I just don't. Yeah. I, and I don't mean that in any political sense or anything like that. I just mean in terms of their styles. I just the, the book's writing felt kind of herky-jerky to me. And I felt this one was a lot smoother. Um, so it could be that Joe Harris and Ethan Van Skyver just – you know, are a little bit smoother of a team, or it could also be that just that at this point, Ethan's been doing the book long enough that he's just gotten, you know, a little more adept at it. So, well, I think it's, I think it's probably going to be more Joe and this guy. I agree. It was herky jerky. Absolutely. I get the sense like Gail didn't like what she was writing 
or something. I mean, I, I don't want to say she was phoning it in, but I, she was off her game, maybe is, is a way to say it. Um, because the way it, they're plotted together, but Joe writes the script. Right, okay. So I think the credit then goes to Joe for having a smoother script than we had from Gail, probably. Um, either way, I thought, it, I thought it was a good issue. Now, there's one thing I noticed as I read this issue, and um, – and this this is a this is a blessing and a curse for this book, in my opinion. Firestorm has no as a as a series as a monthly series has no status quo. There is no fifteen second elevator speech you can give someone about this book. No, certainly not. You know, with with Aquaman, you can in that it's you know him and Mara live in a small town and they go have adventures to save people and it often involves the water. That's you know every time an Aquaman story finishes, at least as far as we know, they're going to end up back at their house. And they're going to have their little life with their dog, and they're going to go out and back to the next issue and start saving people again. That's true. There is, a, yeah, it does kind of get set back zero at, at, at every issue, generally. Yeah. Yep. Or every storyline, or whatever. But th- yeah. this one, Firestorm doesn't. There is no status quo that we've seen yet. No. I mean, it, it is, it is a journey. So I think that's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in that uh, you never know what's going to happen in this book, which is cool. I love the not knowing. I think years back, years later from now, we're going to look back on this book. And just think about, wow, that was kind of an exciting time in that you just never knew where the book was going to go, and that was cool. And it's a bit of a curse because it makes it very inaccessible, I think, for new readers to just pick it up and go, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I think that's true, too. So, again, blessing and a curse. Um, We talked about Aquaman having only three scenes in the whole book. Well, this one has seven. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing I'm really impressed with is that Joe Harris has continued the – the pace, the pacing of the book is still there. I mean, they're able to cram seven different scenes in, and we jet set from Pittsburgh to Nevada to Quarak, back to Pittsburgh. I mean, we're, this book's very international. So, not well, not that Pittsburgh to Nevada is international, but they're far apart at least. Anyway, so it's um, there's, there's a lot of motion, a lot of action, a lot of scenes, and very quick, succinct scenes, and I'm, I'm very pleased that that's continued. I didn't know if that would. We talked about the the detailed. Artwork, and I'm really—I I feel like I'm selling it short here. I mean, guys, this is a gorgeous book. This is this is some, in my opinion, some of Ethan Manskyver's best work. Um, I started reading some of Ethan Manskyver's stuff back in Impulse, you know, a zillion years ago, right after his Cyberfrog days, I guess, and uh, really dug it then. And then he's done, you know, everything under the sun. I mean, the guy is literally a rock star in the comic book art world, and this stuff in Firestorm is just gorgeous. There's some panels that are just quiet panels that are not overly detailed, like the scene where Pozar is watching Ronnie being dri- driven away in that truck by the, the terrorists, and he's just sitting there with his turban, and he's sort of his, his eyes flaring as a cue to us so that we know who he is. It's just sort of a quiet little panel, but dang, it's good. And then you get the ones that are just, there's every single square inch of the panel is filled with either technology or, you know, some action or explosions or whatever. So, I mean, he's got the whole range here, and it's just awesome. So, Great job, Ethan. Looking forward to seeing the next issue as well. By the way, he posted on Facebook just a couple nights ago that he is um, considering, and I don't know whether the considering means he's going to do it and he just can't announce it yet. I don't know which, but he's uh, hinting that he's going to be drawing issues 11 and 12 of the book as well. Hmm. So we would get 7 and 8 from Ethan, 9 and 10 from uh, Yildiray, and then 11 and 12 from Ethan. Uh, I, I kind of you know, I kind of dig that. I'd be okay if Ethan comes back every few issues and does a few. Um, again, I still Yield Ray's still the artist as far as I'm concerned, and Ethan does you know obviously amazing work. And you know, if, if nothing else, it's got to help the sales of the book. I mean, 
people that see his art and they just gravitate to it. I'm astounded at uh, just seeing all the people on Facebook and on eBay and stuff. His artwork sells for astronomical amounts of money. Hmm. So I know because I tried to buy a cover recently and I failed to. So, oh. I, I, dude. Turns out I was bidding against a friend of mine from New Zealand. Had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted the cover. I, I'm going over my notes now, seeing what I forgot to mention. There is the cover. I wanted to mention real quick. I, this is one of my favorite covers as well. Number six is still my favorite. The one before this in, in the, the 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 crater, basically. Uh, last time, but this I like the this, the covers where it's like a scene from the comic. I don't like the pinup covers where. You know, you just got heroes, like, looking all heroic. Dun, dun, dun. You know, Aquaman's cover actually is kind of like that. Aquaman's – not that the art isn't beautiful, but I prefer seeing a scene from the comic where, like, the hero's in jeopardy or something like that or something's going on. So I like that they did that with this particular cover is that, you know, you see a scene from the comic where Ronnie's just in bad, bad straits. So dig that. Um, okay, I had one panel I had a question about. Maybe you can help me figure this out. When Jason is talking to Zither – it's like one, two, three, four. And they're arguing about Ronnie because Zither is worried because Ronnie has now kind of gone off on his own. She's worried what's going to happen. Not, she's not worried about Ronnie, per se, just more like what the implications of his activities might do on Zither. She, Jason says something, and I don't understand the line, and I'm hoping maybe you can help me figure it out. Jason says, Ronnie's a big boy who seems to be at his best when taking care of himself. Now I know what you like about him most. Says Bronny's a big boy who seems to be at his best when he's taking care of himself. Now I know what you like about him most. I, get I guess he is he is saying that like that Zither is self centered and only cares about her own life and feelings and that's what he's saying. That's why you like about Ronnie is when Ronnie does what you do. Mm. At least that's how I that's how I take it. That could be okay. Taking best taking care of himself. Yeah. Oh, because she's taking care of herself. Yeah, ah. she's she. Yeah, you're self centered, and you like okay. Ronnie when he's being self centered because you're both self centered. I totally didn't get that. It's because I'm not self centered. That's why. Yeah, that that must be what it is. Shut up! I'm talking. Um, Stand your ground. Stand your ground. <laughs> There's a cool name in here. I got to look this up. There's a cool Quirac Firestorm. They keep referencing named Ashra Khan. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to know that name from somewhere, but I'm looking forward to finding out what that is. Uh, I assume that's a Maybe the head of the Kordak terrorists. I'm not sure, but they, it just sounds – it rolls off the tongue nicely. It does. Ashra, Ashra Khan. <laughs> well, and with Khan, you've got Genghis Khan and Khan, right. you know, Khan from Star Trek. So it's just, that's just a great bad guy name. When you, see, when you just see an Ronnie staring up at the sky going, Khan! <laughs> Do we need uh, that? So uh, last thing really here for me, um, well, did you have anything you wanted to add about the, the, the new direction or do you even sense there's a new direction or did it feel like it was just continuing? Uh, I didn't really get a feeling of a new direction. I mean the book roll, the, the book rollicks along on, of like a movie serial, a really nasty, violent movie serial. Um, so I didn't really get the sense there was a whole huge change. I did think that this was a little bit of a smoother issue. I miss Del Rey. Um, I I'm like I don't have any – I don't have any like – like I don't think empirically there's anything wrong with Ethan's work. I'm just not a particular fan. You know, it's like I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with it. I just it's not anything that draws me to the book. So I missed Ilderay. I did miss I did miss Ilderay. So um, you know, but the coloring is really nice in the story. I, I am like I feel like it's a very downbeat book. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very violent and nasty, and people being mean to each other, and there's just not a lot of joy in it. And you know, I, I that just. You know, not that things, comic books have to have that, but that's, to me, it's like, that's kind of what I read superhero comics for to some level, is having some level of 
joy. And to me, this book is just so unrelentingly kind of nasty that it, I don't feel like great after I read an issue, <laughs> you know, I yeah. feel kind of like, ugh, you know, like, okay. And then this one, especially like people being immolated and tortured and reduced to skeletons. And then, you know, as, as you said, a final kick to the nards. Oh, look, Firestorm's arm's been burnt <laughs> off. So, you know, I, I kind of miss that aspect of the Firestorm character, of, like the joy. Especially since you, on the Firestorm fan, which is a blog I just heard of, um, has been <laughs> doing all hero stuff, like all the stuff team-related yeah. Firestorm all week. And you posted those pages where Firestorm joins the JLA and he, like, like goes, woo! You know, like, he, like, does, like, a cartwheel in this in, in the in midair mm-hmm. from the joy of it. And I just feel like, God, what happened to that character? You know? <laughs> what happened to that guy? You're absolutely right. I mean, this is this is not that firestorm. No, um, no. and it it will not become that book. No, um, this book is a very dark book, and it is a um, da- I don't want to say downbeat, but it is. Um, it, you're not going to walk away going, "Wow, I feel great." Yeah, you're going to walk away going, "Holy shit, those poor kids." Um, Again with the party mouth. Yeah, sorry about that. You can bleep it. Um, you're going to walk away just feeling bad for them, and but what draws you in is the intrigue. The international intrigue and their power levels, and how are they going to get out of this? So, I mean, it's it's never, at least in this volume, unless there's a huge sea change, it's never going to be the old book. And you know what? Right. That's okay. It's just different. Right. Um, you know, it's it's. And I'll bring this up, and you know, nothing from the peanut gallery here, but it's sort of like Aquaman, sort of Atlantis was a different book. It was uh, it was a sword and sorcery. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was a, it was a huge change, and that's what this is. This is a darker, different kind of book, and I, I'm okay with that. You know, it's, I've, I've come to, I've come to accept that, and I'm just loving what it is. It's a great ride. It's a huge adventure. It's you know the the journey of these two kids. That you know, I do hope we get to the point where they are sort of superhero-y. You know, I'm not saying they're going to go out and join the Justice League, and you know, their signal devices are going to call them every time a cat's stuck in a tree, but. I do hope they, they get a chance to start going, being active and going out. Kind of what Pozar is doing. Pozar is getting involved and being sort of a, you know, he's, he's, he's a lethal protector, you know, if you will, is what it appears. Uh, that's the old Venom tagline was lethal protector. But so I, I hope we do get to that point. But uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the journey, and it's great. Now, uh, Ronnie, about his arm. I get the feeling, based on what I'd read, I think this is a permanent change. I don't think this is like his arm comes back next issue. Maybe he'll get a hook for a hand. Dude, I was totally going there. (laughs) Beat me to the joke. He's going to shove this harpoon into the meaty stump, and then later he'll replace it with a giant hook. Nobody's using it. Right, and then he'll get a fire hand. Um, Actually, in all honesty, that's my suspicion. I bet he'll make a a fire construct hand, is my guess. (laughs) But um, one of the things Ethan mentioned on his... uh, on, his, on Facebook was he said that he was working on Ronnie's new costume and he said it was a result of what happens in issue number seven. So I got to assume mm-hmm. that's where I was thinking like, okay, the arm. Now, all I hope is he still has the puffy sleeves. You know, he doesn't have the hand, but he can still have a puffy sleeve. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not Firestorm without the puffy sleeves. If you're listening, Ethan, puffy sleeves, man, it's okay. It's okay. So, uh, that, I, I think believe, we really need to end it on puffy sleeves, puffy sleeves. I was gonna say, I think that wraps up, uh, <laughs> Fury of Firestorm number seven, which is a great comic. Can't wait for number eight. Oh, I gotta tell you one thing about Yildare. Have you seen his, he got to do a cover. Yildare is doing the cover for issue number 10. It's his first cover. Uh, have you seen it yet? No, I have not. Yeah. Firestorm is, it's got Ronnie fi- or Jason, I guess it's Ronnie. One of them's fighting the Indian Firestorm. 
Oh, and, I did see that. I didn't know that that was by Yildiray. Yep. Okay. And she, well, Yildiray penciled it. Ethan inked it. Ah, and well, that's, they're a great okay. combination. They really are. And you get uh, she's she's looks sort of Shiva like. She's yeah. got yep. four firearms. Yep. She and she's got like a firestorm belly shirt rocking, which is kind of sexy. Like I I never considered a firestorm belly shirt before that moment. I'm like, ooh, I like that. And uh, but his yield ray cover he's, is awesome. Good for yield ray. Well, yeah. So I'm very happy for him. All right. All right. So with that, folks, I think we're gonna go to break. Absolutely. All right, and uh, we'll we'll be right back after these messages. Justice League. They'll be meeting in the Hall of Justice. Bring all your superheroes. Look for the world disaster map. Dial up a disaster. Open the screen. It's the Joker with his mini robots. Put your superhero into the transmutation chamber. Close the door and send him to the scene of the crime. Now reopen it with a transmutation lever. Where'd he go? He's gone. Now open your disaster monitor. Your superheroes at the scene of the crime. The Hall of Justice with Transmutation Chamber, Disaster Screen, the World Map Table with six disasters. New from Miko. We now return with the Super Friends. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Fire and Water Podcast. We're on the back half here, and we are going to hit everybody's favorite segment, ladies and gentlemen, listener feedback! <laughs> yeah, I'm still not going to add the echo, no matter what. What? No, seriously? Yeah. We talked I'm about this. Too late. I, I have things to do. You know what? Fine. Check this out. I'll do it myself. Listener feedback! Hey, that was pretty impressive. How'd you do that? <laughs> I've got my ways. <laughs> nice thank job. You. Th- thank you, Brendan. Uh, okay. We're going to roll on here, folks, with listener feedback. Um, we're going to go through this kind of fast, but because we got so much. You guys are awesome. We got so much feedback. Yeah, we, we got tons of ton, letters, yeah. tons of comments. You guys totally rock. We're going to mention everybody. Promise. You got a brick through my window the other day? Right. Well, that, that was me, actually. But um, <laughs> just want to <laughs> – but I uh, wanted to you know, definitely acknowledge, and we'll call, shout out on some of these things. So we're just going to get rolling here. We got some great comments from Ben Avery, uh, one of our biggest supporters. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, got a nice uh, nice bulleted list from Frank, uh, Diablo Frank. Our, uh, he appeared on an episode a couple episodes ago. And <laughs> Everyone gonna, knows that. <laughs> I was just going to uh, read one of his comments here because I had said on a previous episode that I thought they should collect the Peter David Aquaman issues be sort of a nice bookend way to you know sell some more Aquaman merchandise. And he made a good point here. Uh, he told me I was wrong. Thanks for that, Frank. But he said, I don't see the point of Peter David trades as they relate so poorly to the modern continuity where there's stuff like the Posner-Hamilton miniseries and the rest of the Skeetaparo run that could be done instead. Um, Peter David stuff would just confuse and dilute. Which, you know what? It, it physically pains me to say this, but Frank's right. So, um, <laughs> as much as I would love to see the Peter David stuff collected, uh, it probably make more sense to get that other stuff out of the way first. Yeah, well, the Skeets of Paris stuff, it's just, it, that is ridiculous that it's not been collected yet. It is just crazy. It's criminal. Yeah. Okay. They, and, and they've managed to collect the stories just before it and just after it. Yeah, the Death of the Prince stuff? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Death of the Prince is just after, and the Showcase volumes are just before. So, <laughs> DC's gone out of their way to not collect those stories. I'd buy like a coffee table book of just Nick Cardi's Aquaman covers. Oh, 
You betcha. So, I uh, got a nice comment here from Lil, Lil Russell Burbage. I'm going to read this real quick. Shag, all kidding aside, you have kept me reading Firestorm past the time I would have otherwise quit the book. I was a fan of the original Al Milgram version because he was DC's version of Spider-Man. Then when Jerry Conway added him to the JLA, I cried foul and started hating him. Partly it was because of Green Arrow's comments, but mostly it was because he was younger than the Teen Titans and much more inexperienced. He didn't just belong in the JLA. Uh, he just didn't belong in the JLA. Now that he's out again, I don't mind him. I enjoy and in, I read and enjoyed the Jason Rush series. I'll hang on for another few issues because your affection for the character is contagious. But I'm with Rob and the and the other commenter. Something needs to be cleared up and things need to move ahead, or I'm going to drop it. Have a firestorm. Have a firestorm in day. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Got a nice comment from Arthur MacArthur, which is also AC, the guy who runs the Swamp Thing blog. Is he an um, animated character? No, he's a real person. Arthur MacArthur? Oh, sure? that I, don't, <laughs> I think AC's a real person. I don't know about Arthur MacArthur. Okay. Um, that's, the, by the way, the blog from the bog. He's a, he's a great new friend of ours in our Justice League of bloggers. I'm going to run through the Twitter folks real quick. We got a uh, retweet from, that's right, Yildere Sonar. Loving that. Thank you, sir. Um, Got Whispering Loon, which is our friend Ben Avery. Manjet, um, sorry, Manjet D, which is Manjet Dengel. I got that right. Captain Ahab 1313, Captain Ahab. Justin Barlow, Tower of Fate, which is the Dr. Fate blog. Paul Bowler. Paul has been one of my biggest supporters. I don't know if he uh, likes that guy who talks to fish or not, but he's been huge. He's, he's, he's always helped me out on Twitter. Thank you. Professor Allen. Uh, T-T-A-O-S podcast that is the Thrilling Adventures of Superman podcast. That's I love one. that show. That's a great show. Very cool show and he's one of our new friends. Uh, BB Netman which is your buddy Bill Bailey. Yep. And Bauhaus 45 and oh, I'm going to slaughter this. Um, Hector Negretta Negretti Negret Hector! We got one from Hector. <laughs> There's my buddy. Yep. And then uh, the, the winning tweet of the month, folks, comes from Retcon. Con! Uh, oh, dude, I just got his name, Retcon. <laughs> I wonder if that's his real name. That's awesome. Anyway, um, his, his handle is Clay... <laughs> Claymation Howl. I can't laugh without laughing about that. Think about when Rabbit Howls, that horrible story. Anyway, um, he wrote, Really dig Firestorm Fan and Aquaman Shrine, our Twitter handles, because if we ever needed Aquaman and Firestorm Twitter accounts, that time is now. That time is now. <laughs> that That's awesome. Yeah. For those of you who listen to the opening credits of the show. That's awesome. I was going to run through some Facebook supporters. Then I'll let Rob talk because, you know. I'm losing my voice here. Um, and that's got, the only reason you let me talk. Right. Uh, that's pretty much. Uh, got some nice help here from some of our friends on Facebook. Uh, Keith G. Baker, Christopher J. Warden, uh, Manjit Dangel, Dan Janes, Trent Eats Burritos. I love that. I, that's a strange birth name. It's really but. just a statement. It's not a name. <laughs> Corey Hodgden, Kevin Culp, Arthur Canning, which is also AC, the uh, Arthur MacArthur guy, uh, Juliana Arcuna Acosta, James Gurton, I probably slaughtered Quirtin. that. Quirtin. Oh, Guerton? Is that how you say it? That's how you okay. say it. Thank you for that. All right. And then uh, you were going to do something here? <laughs> yes. Nice transition. Um, <laughs> Trent, uh, Trent Eats Burritos <laughs> sent, sent us a, um, a Facebook message uh, saying, uh, I'm trying. I'd probably like it, meaning the show, more if that shag guy wouldn't quite talk so much because he detracts, he detracts from the more serious scholarly tone the podcast could have otherwise. Uh, could have, but otherwise it's probably the best new 52 Firestorm Aquaman podcast on the internet right now. <laughs> I like how he... Damning with faint praise. 
He said probably the best. <laughs> like, not necessarily me. Because all the other first from Aquaman New 52 podcasts are better. Trent may eat burritos, but he doesn't want to commit himself to any sort of commenting on the Firestorm Aquaman podcast. Can we fire a listener? Is that – can we do that? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, we got a couple nice shout-outs uh, over on DC Bloodlines and their direct currents. Thank you for that, Frank. And as I mentioned before, the blog from the bog gave us a nice shout-out as well. Over on the DC Comics message board, uh, they didn't talk about us because they don't <laughs> exist anymore. It's been retconned out of existence. That Only really the psycho is. pirate remembers the DC Comics message board. I mean, I am genuinely angry about that. <laughs> I don't know about you. you Maybe you don't care. But, I mean, I was over there. I was commenting. You know, I, some, of our, some of our listeners, Lee Novak. I could never uh, log on to that damn site no matter what. So I, don't, I, I miss seeing the comments, but I, I'm not going to miss it that much because I could never participate. Well, I mean, Ethan, Ethan Van Skyver had a thread over there. You know, I would I would chat with Roy Cleary and Lee Novak and a few yeah. other of our listeners over there, and it's just, ugh! I mean, I've been I've gone over to comic book resources, and but it's just so cluttered. I can't get through it. I just, ugh! I'm very frustrated. I'm very disappointed. So, sorry, it's all your fault. You probably told Jeff to do that. So. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. He listens to me. Um, <laughs> we got an email from Luke Dobb. Um, titled My Shirt is Made of Goldfish. Great. <laughs> um, he wrote us a, a very long email. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, I, I'm going to mention this part. I meant to write in after last week's episode when the Fire and Water podcast was hijacked by Idlehead of Diablo. It was Aww. fun. It was fun, but a little like giving a chimpanzee the keys to a school bus. <laughs> I don't even understand that metaphor. We watched in horror as the bus went careening away, none of us knowing what to do. When it was over, we all stumbled out of the bus together, some scratching our heads, some biting their footing, some of us throwing up in the bushes, but all of us wondering what the heck just happened. Oh, boy. Um, while I'm here, I've got some words. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold right. on. He goes, ha-ha, it was fun, albeit a crazy kind well, of fun. Well, okay. So I thought he made that Frank's, Frank's sitting there in the corner crying now. I don't think he Because is. of that. you gotta, you got to point out that the guy was kidding around. Uh, I, I, I wanted to start something between the two of them. Uh, so he said, while I'm here, I've got some words uh, some words for both of the both of yous. Shag, props to you for your faithful devotion to Firestorm. Your optimism is contagious. Uh, last week, I came within centimeters of moving past the John Byrne steel toward an actual purchase. I've always liked Firestorm, though I've never gotten to know him too well. His suit has got to be one of the coolest superhero costumes ever. There's a shout Hell, out to the puppy yeah. sleeves. When I was a kid back in the magnificent 80s, which is I think what they're officially called, um, <laughs> my sin nature got the best of me, and I stole a superpowers Firestorm action figure from a neighborhood kid. Fight the man. That's Even, right, Fight brother. the man, yeah. Take what you need. Even though – oh, boy. Stay in your ground. It is crazy down there in Florida. Uh, even, though, <laughs> um, even though I later gave it back, I have never forgotten what I did. Someday I hope to eBay purchase a legitimate figure for myself. Man. Firestorm, Firestorm leads to a life of crime. That, that, kid, that kid just died a broken man. Um, <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> um, we also got a, um, a comment from PM. I think it's PM Carpenter. He talked about there's a, a book he bought, which is interesting, called Fire and Water, the Art of Incendiary and Aquatic Warfare in China. So I found yeah. that pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to do a book report on it, no. but 
Now, he's got some nice comments in here. He says, uh, great job as always. There's one thing that jumped out at me. Shag is both a Firestorm and Aquaman fan, whereas Rob really is an Aquaman fan only who fans the flame and respect to Shag and the Fire and Water podcast. I like the part where he says you do it out of respect for me. Um, I appreciate your Rob's honesty and that you don't sugarcoat your feelings about Firestorm, or at least don't do it in a way that uh, denigrates Firestorm's writers or artists where you do tend to give kudos and fans. So... Uh, I thought that was a nice comment from PM, and he's been a big supporter, and he's given us some great ideas over the time, over the the series of the show. Yeah, um, he does mention. I guess I should, he does ask me, "Is there a particular Firestorm story arc you don't find enjoyable? It's just too serious." We get into that a little. My my enjoyment of Firestorm mostly comes from his interactions with the Justice League. I liked that he was in the Justice League. I always did, even as a kid, um, even though other people did not. And so, to me, it's like. I'd never been as huge a fan of his outside of the Justice League, although I did read the book back when Jerry Conway and Raphael Kanyan did it. Um, Kanyan. Okay, did it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's more that I like the character in relation to how we, the other characters. So that that's more worrying with Firestorm. But, yeah, I don't see the need to, you know, it's just not necessarily my cup of tea, but I don't want to, you know, rag on it unnecessarily. So, But I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that people notice it. Anyway, um... Thank you. Got a nice thing from Brendan Savinsky, which um, all of you have heard. You may not have realized it. Thank you, Brendan. Got a nice letter from Hector. Hector Negretti. 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 He should should really send us a a recording of himself giving giving us his name. It would be a lot easier. That'd be nice. Um, so he wrote us his letter saying he's from Mexico. Cause I had mentioned that the fire, the fire and water podcast was now international. Well, I, without realizing it, we've been international for quite a while. Um, Hector is from Mexico and he's been listening for some time now. We got another uh, very nice letter from Hector, by the way, he goes on to talk about quite a, a lot of the episodes. So thank you for that. Got a great letter from Keith, Keith, uh, Samra. And th- this thing here, this is a treatise. Um, this letter is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's a great letter. Uh, his real name is, unbelievable guys it's it's crazy long and he, he outlined the whole thing here but he points out that his middle name is kal how cool is that so um he says a uh, long time listener but first time caller or rather writer i reside at the bottom of the world in new zealand let me tell you if you guys think it's expensive to collect comics nowadays in the states with the with the exchange rate we end up paying something like seven plus dollars for your average two ninety nine dollar comic how many it's, how many uh, comic shops in new zealand you think have the word frodo in them Oh, all of I don't them? know. All of maybe, them? maybe. <laughs> um, Bilbo, two ninety nine. Ouch! I mean, seven, seven plus for two ninety nine. Well, you know what? That just tells you, Keith, don't buy Marvel. So, um, <laughs> there you, go. you know, one thing I got to say here because this this touch this warmed my heart. It says, uh, "This is again from Keith." I came across the show while I was checking out the shrine one day. I don't know why he visits that site. But anyway, I was checking out the shrine one day and discovered that Rob was co-hosting with a guy named Shag. I thought, and he put two G's on here, which is great. I thought to myself, is this the same irredeemable one that was the semi-regular co-host of Views from the Lawn Box with Michael Bailey? Uh, and he refers to Michael Bailey as the second biggest Superman in the world, second, second biggest Superman fan in the world compared to him. Uh, but don't tell him I said that. Oh, I just read that on the air. Whoops, sorry. Um, we'll edit that I, out. <laughs> nah. Bailey can live with it. I absolutely loved uh, Views from the Law Box, especially when Shag was on. I had listened to a lot of the episode multiple times. Not to suck up, but the irredeemable one makes a good show. Great. So I, um, I've i been hooked ever since. Oh, and Rob is good, too. What I love about that the best is, you know, 
there's this whole thing, if the long-time listeners know, that my name is misspelled on Facebook. It has two Gs rather than one for Shag. And I mention it here, and it's become kind of a gag. Anyway, I love here. With he, he, puts Shag, he puts Shag with two Gs, but he puts Rob with two Bs, <laughs> which is awesome. So everyone should write in from now on with Rob with two Bs. Um, yeah, that's definitely coming up. <laughs> and he, he talks about uh, – he, he's an artist, and uh, Keith is looking to get back into art. And he signs his letter, sincerely, Lil Kal-El, Keith Samra. Regular penciler to be on the Chronicles of Slipknot. I like that. I like that confidence. That's, that's awesome. He's pitching I, I himself. Would, exactly. You know, I think it's great. Uh, we got some iTunes reviews. Thank you guys so very much. You really know, I really love I the iTunes reviews. Absolutely. And I didn't say my bit at the beginning like I normally do, but I'll take a couple seconds to say it. It's just, folks, this feedback means so much to us. Seriously. It, it, it helps keep us going. It encourages us to do the show. It shows that you guys are engaged. It, I like the fact that you guys can banter with each other through comments. It builds this Matchhead and Waterlog community of Firestorm and Aquaman fans, and it's, I, think it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And you're half the show. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I mean the, the, the listener feedback takes almost as much time as the front end of the show nowadays because we're getting so much, and you guys are just phenomenal. I, I, I'm so glad to count you guys amongst my comic book buddies. So. And, it, and it works as like a farm team for when I replace you on the show. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so... Awkward. Silence. Uh, okay. Uh, getting back to the iTunes reviews. Here, if I can read them through my tears. Uh, we got this great one from Jason Jones. It says, excellent show. I never knew I cared so much about Firestorm and Aquaman. I thought I'd listen to one episode and that would be it. But you keep me coming back for more. Well done, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Trennis Magnus. I'm sorry. His Excellency, Trennis Magnus. Which is a great little thing. I love that. Uh, best new 52 Firestorm Aquaman podcast anywhere off the internet. I st- that, I, that joke never gets old to me. I love that. Uh, only just started listening to the podcast, but I'm enjoying it. I know Shag from his guest appearances on Views from the Long Box. Awesome. Two mentions in one show. Can you get like a nickel for every time you mention that show? No, but man, let me tell you, I did that. I co-hosted that show with Michael Bailey. I was his semi-regular co-host, and it's they're all still out there, folks. Uh, all the Views from the Long Box are out there on iTunes. You can catch them. I think it's a great show. Michael Bailey is an incredible podcaster. He has like 18 other podcasts he does. He's, he's the Kevin Bacon of podcasting, by the way. He really is. Everyone is connected through him. And great guy. And I and so enjoyed being on those shows. And I think, you know, this little thing we do here is like, you know, whatever. But that was like a good show. And uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. This is fine, I suppose, when Rob's not talking. But it's uh, Views from the Law Box was a great show. It, we covered all kinds of stuff. So if you ever want to listen to more podcasting, I highly recommend it. Even even the episodes I'm not on, I recommend, believe it or not. So, all right. Anyway, uh, I know Shag from his guest appearances on Views from the Law Box and was interested in hearing his thoughts on the new 52 versions of these characters, as I've only just started following them both. This podcast is a good introduction, not only to the characters, but is well worth listening to. Awesome. And we got... A sonnet. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah, we haven't heard from Robert Gross, our buddy, for in a while. Uh, Martin Stein, R.I.P. Also, he wrote a poem for us. It's a, it's a sonnet. This is a sonnet for the podcast Fire and Water. It features Aquaman and Firestorm, including listener feedback in its form and services to fans like Podcasters Otter. <laughs> That's great. What? I, I don't know that anyone's ever written poetry for me before. I so. It's very sweet. <laughs> That is going to wrap up our listener feedback, folks. Um, again, thank you guys so much. Keep your cards and letters coming. We will mention you on the show. We will read everything that we can. And uh, definitely, thank you for the support. And you're just helping support Firestorm and Aquaman. Absolutely. So, uh, Shag, where can people find Firestorm? 
they can find Firestorm at firestormfan.com, and uh, that's sort of the home base. But if you're into the social medias, uh, if you're doing the, the Twitter <laughs> as all and the all kids that, are saying, as all the kids are doing, uh, you can find us on Facebook as Firestorm Fan, Twitter as Face uh, Fire Firestorm. <laughs> I understand you're new with this. Facebook and Twitter as Firestorm Fan, and drumroll please. For all three of you, you can find us over on Google Plus. And, uh, the I'm ghost kidding. town known as Google Plus. No, actually, believe it, I was really surprised. I've gotten a lot more traction over there than I thought. Um, some of you listeners are over there. Some Firestorm fans are over there. Uh, so, you know, just starting out on the Google Plus, got my toe dipped in there. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're on the G Plus, give, give me a plus one or add me to your circles. Enjoy, the, vir- enjoy the virtual tumbleweeds. <laughs> It's not as empty as you'd think. Um, it's definitely not a Facebook or a Twitter, though. That's for sure. But there are some neat things over there. So we'll talk about that another day. So that was Firestorm Fan on all of those. Where can they find Aquaman? Uh, well, he, he, rocking the sales charts is where we can find him. But uh, the Aquaman Trine is, of course, Aquaman, www.aquamantrine.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well. The Twitter feed, as I said, run by um, recovering alcoholic Joe Slab is doing tremendous – He's recovering now. Well, he, he falls back a lot, but I think he's doing okay. <laughs> this, this weekend he's doing all right. Um, he's been doing a great job, and he's, we've been doing these prize pack things where you, like, you retweet uh, a Shrine tweet on Friday. Within a certain like time span, you win an Aquaman prize pack. And we've been doing it like every Friday for the last couple of weeks, and it's it, you know my phone just chimes you know like off the hook because it's a Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. People really want to win stuff, so um, he's wow, doing a great, cool. yeah. The Twitter feed is like like almost like more popular than the Shrine itself at this point, um, which makes me sad. But there's not much I can do about it. Um, it just means so, Joe's doing a better job than you. That's all. That's pretty much exactly what that means. <laughs> um, so uh, I also have to thank Joe. I should thank him publicly, not that he'll hear this. So who cares? But uh, he was the one who sort of drove the interview between um, the Shrine and Ivan Reese and Joe Prado this week, which went up on Wednesday, which was great. We, Ivan Reese doesn't do a lot of um, interviews because his, his English is not his main language. And he's very sort of self-conscious about, um, you know, being clear. So it was like very generous of him to talk to us because, you know, it's probably not as easy necessarily for him to answer interview questions. But he did a great job and so did Joe. And so that was a great thing to be able to post on the day that Aquaman number seven came out that we had an uh, an interview, yet another interview with uh, Joe Prado and then our first interview with Ivan Reese. That was great. That's awesome. Yeah, those guys are you know those guys are the best, um, and Rod Reese as well too. So, um, so there's you know you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And I just want to mention one last thing of a personal nature. Um, Keith Samra was um, kind enough to mention how much he's been enjoying my daily comic trip, Ace Kilroy. And I mentioned on the last show that we are nominated for an Eagle Award for favorite web comic, which is like you know huge for us. And um, when this episode is available, which is going to be Monday, April 2nd, which is when it's going to go up. Um, if you listen to it the, that day, you know, on Monday, April 2nd, you can still vote for Ace Kilroy at uh, the Eagle Awards. Um, the links are all over the place on the Shrine's Facebook page and, and, and uh, at Ace Kilroy itself. So if you, because that's the last day of voting is April 2nd. So if you get this and you haven't voted for it yet, please do. It would be huge for us to, to, to win this. Um, it's great to be nominated, of course, but to, to win it would be amazing because we're, we're so new. It would really help put us on the map. So um, so there's uh, go visit that at uh, www.acekillroy.com. 
Fantastic. Absolutely, folks. Please, if you get a chance, go out there and do it. Uh, if you listen to this after that date, you know what? Go out to Ace Kilroy and uh, you know subscribe to it, give a donation, read it, enjoy it, whatever. Just uh, enjoy the funness that is Ace Kilroy. Thank you, Shay. So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. We'll be back before you know it with another episode. And uh, until then, fan the flame and ride the wave. And uh, say goodnight, Rob. Good night. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and Friends forever. Yeah. Hi there, Robin Shack. This is the audio for the correct pronunciation of my name. It would be Hector Negrete. Hector Negrete. Actually, in Spanish, Hector would be Hector. So, whatever you like better. <laughs>